Welcome to Giving Connected, presented by Paisa Giving. We're happy you're able to join us today. Giving Connected was created to bring some awareness to some great nonprofits around the country. Joining us today is Dolores Garay from Grid Alternatives. Hey, everybody. Today, we are going to be interviewing the Director of Member and Donor Partnerships for Grid Alternatives, Dolores Garay. Hey, Dolores. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, I think uh, I kind of first saw Grid uh, when through work, right? Kind of the partnership that we came in through work and kind of donating modules and seeing how it's used. But um, kind of looking through it, it's, it's really exciting. And, and I know Prince and I are glad to kind of talk to you about Grid, uh, what you're doing in the future. Um, so it's very exciting. Um, kind of just jumping into it, what kind of tell us about yourself first. What is your background? How did you kind of find it? How did you kind of get into it? Is this <laughs> what you thought you were going to do in nonprofits? Um, let us know about that. Well, you know, I think like a lot of people, I um, fell into the nonprofit sector because I had been really interested in social justice. And I had been, you know, an organizer when I was in college and had done different, you know, political work. And, you know, someone had to get the money to pay for the radical newspaper, right? And someone had to get the money to pay for the generator for the big rally on campus. And, you know, as things progress, like, you know, who knew that being friendly and nosy were job skills, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) So all of us, I feel like every person has a role in progressive social change. And so my role was bringing the resources to the folks who were going to do the work on the ground. And, um, and that's kind of how I got engaged, you know, got involved. And I came to grid last year after working for another nonprofit, I've my entire career has been in the nonprofit sector, um, in you know in different fundraising roles. And joining Grid was just the right confluence of, you know, the really pressing issues around the environment, the aspect of you know training folks and you know really creating a new green economy. You know, those were, and that it was also spread not just in California, but for example, I'm in Colorado and in DC, that there was more of a, a scope and a reach to really move the needle on those areas. So that's what kind of drew me to grid. Okay, that's really cool. So you're kind of coming from this background of social justice missions, and that kind of like drew you into the environmental energy kind of scope exactly of that world. Mm-hmm. exactly that's pretty cool did you were you in in solar nonprofits before or was it kind of did, there was a different uh oh, it was like different if, okay. my, my previous role or my previous nonprofit was california rural legal assistance and they provide free legal aid um throughout california and rural communities you know probably with farm workers but other low low-income rural folks and then before that, I was actually a fundraising consultant for about 10 years, working with groups oh. all across the issue spectrum, um, you know, arts, foundations, small nonprofits, the whole gamut, but generally in the social justice space. That is awesome. Is that what, when you went to school for college, is that kind of the space you wanted to go for? Did you, did you have a, like a cathartic experience, like, oh, nonprofits, like one day, you just like, I, I want to do this? You know, I think I was pretty politically involved in college and it was just kind of like a natural next step and I think that I've always been the kind of person who I have to love what I do or I won't do it you know I don't have that kind of strength of character to have a job I don't like you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um and also too I just 
you know, now that I have a kid, it's a little bit different, but it just wasn't, I wasn't worried about money in the way that probably I should have been. It was, I was just more like wanted to focus on working with doing good work with good people and really trying to change the world. It's pretty funny. Before our call, Joel had mentioned something like the character of people um, who work in nonprofits. And then we were saying like, you know, it definitely takes like a special type of person to be in that industry, in that arena and work in a like, you know, in a capacity where you are assisting other people every day, day in, day out, you know. Um, I think it's like very different than like me coming from construction where I'm helping people, but I'm helping them build something that they're paying for. You know, so it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah, we, yeah. I was referencing um, some of the nicest people uh, I've met and talked to are from nonprofits, right? And I think yeah. Dol- Dolores is just another great example of that. Um, <laughs> very, very, very... Well, we've only just met. I could change. <laughs> well, that's, that's very very true. Um, when, when you said you 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 joined Grid, was that through somebody else, or did you just you saw an opportunity? Um, how, did, how did that come from? Right. Well, um, you know, the, I used to live in the Bay Area, and so I had a, like a mild awareness of Grid, and the, you know, they had my my immediate boss, Adam Badwound, who's the VP of philanthropy. He's someone who I was interested in, kind of just you know. He's a, you know, he's a Native American man. He's a, a queer man. Like that was, he was someone who I was interested in. So I'm really interested in um, leaders of color, you know, LGBT leaders. And so I just kind of kept an eye on, the, on who was out there. And um, I had a friend who, a call, you know, like a, a, a fundraising, fundraisers tend to be very networked. <laughs> so, so when this person was like, oh, hey, like I just, I really like it here. I think you might like it. And it kind of went from there. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure fundraisers <laughs> we are harder, especially these days, right? With with the COVID issues, right? And I'm, I, we, that's a question that I, I've been thinking about is, is um, for most people, especially fundraising, when you can shake somebody's hand, you can see that person, explain to them face to face, you know what the problem is and what how you can help. The the impact is so much easier, right? Um, mm-hmm. But because it's all virtual, people see so many different things. It's not as connection, right? Um, how, how has that affected you? It, it, from from all that stuff is it have you seen a steep drop off have you seen you know resurgency in the human spirits like oh i've actually seen a lot of people come and and support us right it's you know it's kind of a mix i think that you know fundraising is definitely about relationships and relationship building and this has been such a strange year since everyone is feeling very isolated and very kind of closed off so there is kind of a a desire for folks to connect in different ways. And I also think that because it has been such a dire time that things that are, um, you know, kind of hopeful and uplifting are very appealing to people. You know, we'll see. I won't really know. I have to be honest until yeah. January, right? Because mm-hmm. all of my money comes in the fourth quarter. That's when individual fundraising, you know, the donations tend to come in. So, um, that's when I will be able to kind of gauge it. It was definitely a challenging year in the sense that we couldn't have a lot of our, a lot of our projects engage a lot of volunteers who then become supporters generally. And we, all that activity was completely curtailed. Right. And, you know, we had to pivot in the spring, we had a a fundraiser event that was supposed to be like in person. And so we had to pivot in six weeks to making a virtual production, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so those kinds of things have been challenging, but I won't really know until January, to be honest. It seems like it'll, there has been interest and support and folks reaffirming their commitment. You know, I think it really depends on 
um, where they are in kind of their own financial lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think next year is also going to be interesting as the economy continues to contract. You know, yeah. so so we'll see. But I, you know, overall, I am feeling hopeful because some folks have really stepped up. Like, what we got a big six-figure gift in the wow. first quarter, and we've had some folks increase what they give. So we'll see. I'm hopeful. So you had mentioned that you, uh, as or I guess we had mentioned, um, you're the director of member and donor partnerships for a organization called Grid Alternative. So can you just, for the edification of our listeners, can you talk a little bit about Grid Alternatives? Just maybe give us the history of the organization and, um, you know, kind of where it started from, if you can just kind of clue us in to that. Yeah, absolutely. So Grid Alternatives was founded in 2004, and it was founded by um, Erica Mackey and Tim Sears. And what we do is we provide no-cost solar for folks who are income qualified. We also train people to install solar for jobs in the new green economy. And we also press for policy advocacy to make sure that renewable energy and solar is available to as many people as possible. And this has really grown from 2004 in that one rooftop in San Francisco um, to include things like bad, you know, solar plus storage and also clean mobility and programs internationally and also working really closely with tribal communities and indigenous communities across the country. So, you know, people, planet and employment is kind of our little, you know, the way that we we think about our work. And, you know, our mission is to build community powered solutions to advance economic and environmental justice through renewable energy. And our vision is like a rapid, emphasis on rapid, right? Equitable transition to a world powered by renewable energy that benefits everyone. So when you You talk about, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but when you talk about uh, renewable energy, is that specific to solar energy or is it just renewable energy, renewable energy in like a more broad um, scheme? So we focus on solar and solar has been traditionally, um, you know, what we do, but there is, you know, as renewable energy activities grow, like that potentially could include other elements, but just that definitely solar is, you know, where our heart is and what the, all of our work is connected to. Yeah. You know, I just think we're trying to be cognizant of, you know, things that might emerge and could change. Yeah. New, new technology, right. Always coming up and yeah. you have mm-hmm. to be part yeah. of it. Right. So I want to be ready and, Definitely. See how things unfold. So you, you kind of covered it. Um, do you guys focus in a specific lo- location, area, um, people, or is it kind of just spread um, throughout the country and kind of where you you guys see uh, kind of there's a need for it? Oh, yeah. Great question. You know, so um, Grid was founded in the Bay Area. You know, our two uh, that's where our two founders were based. And so we have a Bay Area office. And we have offices all throughout California. Um, we have Sacramento, the, which is the, we call the, um, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I'm having like a blank, a blank <laughs> moment, North Valley. Okay. We have an office in um, the Central Valley. In, and then we have two in Southern California. Actually, I guess three, Inland Empire, um, Greater Los Angeles area, and San Diego. We also have an office in Colorado, and we have an office in Washington, D.C., you know, with the mid-Atlantic area. So okay. we're, you know, kind of in all those places. Of course, in the, you know, in the U.S., the the big investment in, in solar is predominantly in California. But we also do policy work 
that's just you know that's nationwide and we've had we've had some great policy wins you know all over the country in places like maybe you wouldn't necessarily think like um you know new mexico or um maryland so you know even new jersey you know so that's where kind of like the policy work happens everywhere but our underground offices are in california colorado and the mid-atlantic okay so what you'd mentioned um one of your goals is like kind of spurring social change and it, through like energy and um you know renewable energy can you just tell us a little bit more about that what does that actually look like on the ground because i think for me like when i think of social justice and social change the first thing that comes to mind is definitely not like renewable energy so it's kind of a unique take on something especially this year more than any other year i'd say is it's such a huge social justice is such a huge like um you know prevalent topic that's being discussed especially in our country so you know what does it actually look like um with grid alternatives that's such a great question <laughs> you know if you think about when you think about the united states or you know for california colorado you think about where where do people live that are most impacted by negative environmental effects where are people who live close to the power plants? Where are people who live close to, you know, maybe there's pockets of bad air or just a lot of pollution. And those tend to be, you know, folks who don't have a lot of, you know, financial resources. And they also tend to be, not always, but, you know, folks of color, communities of color. So we're looking at folks who are really on, really experiencing, the environmental negative environmental impacts on their daily lives right and those folks need to be in the conversation and have access to things like solar you know solar was kind of you know first kind of like a fancy pantsy thing right like ooh, solar right that in you know why should renewable energy which both helps the helps the environment and also helps you pay lower energy bills right you know why should that be only available to folks who um who have high incomes right right and then, at the, and then simultaneously, we're really seeing a shift in our economy, you know, like the, you know, we're, we now have a global economy, you know, we have different, we need to create an, an economy that works for everyone. That also is very important in terms of having, you know, access to, to good paying jobs. In, in, in industries that's going to continue to grow and training folks to install solar and getting them employed in the solar industry, you know, that's one of the fastest growing industries in the country, right? So yeah. that's, that's an economic justice piece. Right. And also too, in both the solar world and, and you probably, both of you can speak to this too, right? Um, there's just not that many people of color as leaders and not that many women and women of color, mm -hmm. you know, in leadership and decision-making, you know, so from the construction site to the C-suite, right. we want to really see that shift. We want to see these industries that are growing more and more important reflect um, our society. So I think in, in all of those ways, that's how we intertwine around with social justice issues. And we're really pushing for a more just world. Yeah. It's a very unique take on, social justice missions especially like because it's as i mentioned you know it's not something that comes to mind right away where uh social justice in terms of like renewable energy and how does um a lot of what's happening in our world actually tie into that particular industry and i think what you mentioned is pretty um interesting you know it is solar energy specifically is something that it, for so long has been thought of something that's just like 
um, available only to like a certain like echelon yeah. within our society. Expensive and, yeah, it's yeah. expensive. There's a cost to it, and that might not be accessible to people who have who are in more impoverished areas. So it's pretty unique that you guys are providing an avenue for people in impoverished impoverished communities um, to be able to have access to something that is really, I mean, energy, especially it's like a basic human need, I would say, you know, um, especially now where everything, you need electricity and it's something that there is a significant cost to, you know, so it's pretty, it's pretty incredible mission that you guys have. Oh, thank you. So, so it's exciting. Yeah, so one question that we kind of covered, uh, the kind of touch base, but uh, financially with COVID, it's kind of taken, of course, taken a hit. But have have you been hindered by your operations at certain places, installing um, the various other uh, playing which the training that you you talked about? Um, how has it impacted that side of it? Oh, definitely. So you know, there. Well, first of all, because the COVID regulations are literally different in every city. so trying to manage all of that has been you know like just little nutty nut bar (laughs) and making sure that you know projects can if you know if if folks are if you know kind of the clients and the communities um the the health public health policies allow to continue you know construction people as you both know are seen as essential workers so that you know Folks, have st- we definitely have still been installing. Um, what has made it challenging is that, as I mentioned earlier, we work with a lot of corporate partners who would often, you know, send employees out for a volunteer workday, you know, which is both kind of, you know, fun for those folks, but helps us right, right. with like, you know, more labor, like more people to help out to install. And that has been completely curtailed. So that was a challenge. And then in terms of trainees, you know, we, our office in Washington, D.C. and our greater Los Angeles area, we're incredible at pivoting to doing online training and information, but that hands-on piece, you know, that took a little bit of time. And yeah. I'm really proud of our my colleagues. Like in the Central Valley, they created a, a COVID safe, you know, training environment where folks were well distanced. It was well ventilated, you know, masked, and you know, and, you know, the whole thing. But it has created just you know different organizational difficulties. Yeah. And um, as it continues to, as the the pandemic continues to unfold, you know, bringing in trainees who are eager to be part of the program and who we think we can benefit, you know, we don't want to expose them to, you know, new potential peoples, right, or or the current staff working. So it's definitely something that we've had to navigate very carefully. And, you know, it's, you know, I'm new to this world of kind of construction and building and most of the groups I've worked with haven't done anything so concrete. And safety is a huge value of grid, Right. It's like a big one of our like principles and tenants, you know, safe, safety first. And so let, having that be our guide has been really important and, and helpful, yeah. honestly, something to cling to as we navigate the perilous waters of the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I work I work in construction, so I kind of see that firsthand. You know, I think there's like this massive shift. I mean, safety in construction is in general a pretty important thing, but the what safety in construction looks like has completely changed especially this year obviously and i mean thankfully um you know construction workers are considered a essential part of um 
this whole crisis. So there's been able to, you know, the work has been able to continue. Um, but again, having working in construction, I kind of understand like some of the challenges from a logistical standpoint, whether it's like sourcing material, um, sometimes even manpower. I think that's something that I've struggled with right. is sometimes companies choose not to work because of the situation with the pandemic and they choose to shut down operations, which can definitely um, hinder project schedules and timelines and stuff. So I guess from grid alternatives uh, perspective, you know, what's been um, a challenge as far as like from like a logistical standpoint, um, equipment installation wise, have you guys seen a challenge there? And then I guess um, if you could just kind of talk more about what actual equipment goes into the installation process. Great. No, I, yeah. I mean, I feel like you totally, you know, kind of get some of the challenges that we faced, right. In terms of just making all the, making all the, lining up all the dominoes. Pieces, yeah. um, I think that, you know, definitely manpower or people power, right. Having folks to help us install that was, we had to navigate that differently. Um, also, I think, and this is going to sound kind of, weird but just knowing what to do consistently across the organization since every single location had different rules yeah. right that was very very um challenging like how can you know if if in dc you know in jla is a stay-at-home order but mid-atlantic doesn't how do we make sure we're being consistent as an organization mm -hmm. you know that was a big a big big challenge and just even things like you know making sure you have enough you know, you actually have like a specific, you know, number of porta potties and hand washing stations and that kind of, you know, that's an additional cost, right? Because before yeah. if we were installing in people's homes, we would generally use the homeowner's bathroom, right? <laughs> but we yeah. don't want to endanger anybody. Um, and that, you know, those kind of costs. And since everyone doing construction is in the same position, you know, obviously as a nonprofit, we're not going to be able to offer, you know, that the highest price, you know, right. so that's just making sure that we have access to the things that we need to do the work safely. Mm -hmm. um, and then in terms of what kind of supplies go into solar, well, obviously solar panels. <laughs> and we have a number of wonderful partners who both, we get a lot of equipment donated and that, but then we also will, you know, get like, you know, like, you know, buy one, get two kinds of things, right? Different sorts of um, kind of creative solutions. And then of course there's the, um, all the different racking, you know, that you need to put install the solar on the roof. Yeah. And you need different kinds of um, you know, of flashing and connectors, right? Yeah. And that's the so there's the kind of the rooftop equipment and then there's the electrical that has to connect to the um you know, the homeowners like, you know, electricity box to make that transfer over. So there's quite a bit of kind of, you know, electrician ish work. Yeah. So it's a whole range of things. Yeah, for sure. So I know um, each municipality has their own standards when it comes to um, solar energy or renewable energy and especially solar energy being a relatively new technology in a, across a lot of communities. Um, do you guys face a lot of challenges as far as that? Like when you go into a specific municipality where you might be installing the first solar panels that this community has and you kind of have to work around some of the uh, regulations and rules that they have? Have you guys hit any roadblocks like that? or is That's a super great question. You know, I don't... Um... I wouldn't be the the right person to be able to answer authoritatively, mm -hmm. um, you know, but I do know that the Pullman, 
the permit pulling process is of course before they even install anything is you know a big part of the um of the timeline the project timeline so i you know but i from what i know which is not again like i would not be an expert in this particular area um i think that there has been kind of a um you know you know when the like when you know like so say like let me walk you through kind of how you would get the solar for an individual home mm -hmm. you know when they would do a site visit and kind of figure out they would kind of assess you know like the roof and the um the electricity oh i should know this term my colleagues are going to roast me <laughs> <laughs> the transformer box on the house um and then they pull permits for the for the work um all that happens on our end and so if things come up we can spot them you know kind of as we're going through all the different steps okay. you know so yeah. i don't know how um how much of a variance there is mm -hmm. among different um locations yeah. but that's a great question and i you yeah. know also too along with that is we also are doing more and more installations on multifamily, like apartment buildings or, you know, multi, you know, congregate dwellings. Like yeah. we did a big project in, in Denver that was for veteran housing. So, you know, those those also will have different um, regulations. So I but I could get back to you. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> we'll, we'll, That's a really uh, interesting question. Yeah, we'll, we'll update our podcast uh, episode <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with an update with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, another question. So your role, um, you know, director of member and partner donor partnerships. What does that really entail? Is that more on kind of just fundraising, the fundraising part of it? Um, is that kind of just the clientele part of it? Or is, is there a lot more that just, I know with nonprofit, oh, sure. I know nonprofit especially is that huh, the role is something, but they do a lot of work, right? It's it's not always like consistent to one thing. Yeah. Um, You know, it's kind of a, it's a mix of um, working with donors and, you know, kind of helping them, um, get more connected to the organization it's also a um it's it's also working with all of the different regional offices who have their own fundraising staff and helping them maximize their efforts um it's thinking about how to bring more people into the grid family you know it's working closely with our communications department to make sure we're sending you know we're sharing the correct messages and we're you know, sharing the correct information to engage folks. It's working with boards of directors, right, of people on our board who really who are like the most high level volunteers and are passionate advocates and making sure they have the tools and information they need to help with our fundraising work, whether that be, you know, obviously giving money, but also asking for money for their networks or, you know, some folks aren't comfortable asking for money, connecting us to the people who we can then ask for money. So it's kind of a whole, you know, whole gamut of things i'm managing portfolio of donors a lot of managing up <laughs> making sure that you know the vps and the ceos and the executives are doing what they need to do to support the fundraising and it's relatively individual fundraising is relatively new to grid the big bulk of our resource pie comes from different sorts of you know local state and federal contracts right or different kinds of um you know partnerships you know to administer programs or install things so it's so that's still kind of the big part of our pie and then a growing number is the private 
philanthropic support from foundations and then the slice that I'm really really trying to grow is individuals like people you know giving you their money yeah no I, yeah does that answer the question oh it sounds like you're everywhere though it sounds yeah. like you're, you're you're doing a lot um so I know I know you've only been I think with grid for one year um but you, we could talk about if you know in the past but what have been some really awesome moments right some really cool it's like oh, oh I, I this is like i i know i'm cha- like change we're helping change the world kind of thing um has there already been any moments that really just like speak out to you oh yeah i mean you know we just we have there's so many so many so many things i mean one um one recent thing that pops into my mind is there's a site in um in the mid-atlantic area called oxen run okay and it used to be like literally a polluted brownfield, hmm. right and now there's a, a big solar array there wow okay you know that took awesome. over two years to kind of get it all together but that you know that's profound change right another incredibly important project is in spokane washington working with um native tribes up there we worked to put solar on you know tribal buildings like housing but also meeting rooms and also a salmon fishery Wow! right because there had been some big fires there and they had you know really impacted the 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 big um the big river nearby right and so part of it can kind of like both economic and environmental and cultural reconstruction making sure that that you know that the river which had been dammed you know the dam after the dam was removed helping folks um reinvigorate that area and being able to you know support native folks with you know salmon which is a huge part of the culture was just like mind-blowing and then just recently i was out in um i was visiting a site in boulder colorado where an all native crew of young people who had you know they'd participated in online training and now they were out you know installing again another big community solar array that was that's going to power um you know a bunch of homes and just seeing that in action you know or i think of someone you know there was a young woman in southern california who went through our solar core program and is now has a full-time job in solar in the industry so those kinds of stories are just like recently there was a woman in richmond california you know an elderly woman it's awesome awesome lady was awesome video of her and now her energy bill is six dollars a month wow you know so that think of like the profound change in your life if you now have this you know like literally extra money to help your life like there's just there's so many things we also have the, and i'm also very interested in policy so you know a couple of our folks are advising the transition team oh, right wow. also um we've been you know invited to help think about stuff for the department of energy the Department of the Interior and the Department of Transportation. Wow! You know, That's awesome. so those that those kinds of like strides are all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could go on and on yeah. and on. <laughs> so, so you you're kind of what you said. You're really seeing the impact that Grid Alternatives is having, um, as far as like the social justice mission is. I mean, you're seeing truly in like in real impact and real change occurring, which is that's awesome. I mean, 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think and it's macro to micro, right? It's one person's one person's home, one, you know, one person. We have a big program that works with folks who are leaving, um, who are, have been formerly incarcerated. Oh, wow. Right. Okay. So people making that life transition right. to, you know, like a sustainable career, you know, so that one person's life to whole communities. Yeah. It's just like, it's incredible. Yeah, and I think you, you brought up a good point about um, what the elderly lady who's now $6, right, with the energy. I think a lot of us think, oh, it's just solar panel, it's just like energy. But I think th- the it's like a chain reaction, right? It frees up other avenues if they need, you know, for if they need help to buy food, right? I think it, it that energy bill that they're paying before, right, it frees up so many different ways. So yeah, the, um, the impact is seen beyond just, yeah. oh, my energy bill is now $6 a month. I mean, that saved money can go to something else that maybe they were struggling with, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, so, sorry. so, um, have you, I mean, again, Joel mentioned you've only been with grid for a short period of time, but, um, in your conversations with your coworkers or just kind of working with them for this past year, have you seen, um, their mission change or, uh, do you feel like the folk, you know, kind of where is their focus, um, as far as like going in the future? That's a great question. So, you know, we did go through um, a process of kind of refining and updating our mission just in um, 2019, 2020. And we're now at the very, very beginning of a strategic plan to thinking about what it, what are those big long-term impacts. And I wouldn't say necessarily the mission changing, but it's definitely, you know, it has expanded to include things like clean mobility Right, which is which can be anything from, you know, EV chargers on people's homes or, you know, in public housing or, you know, um, you know, multifamily housing. Mm-hmm. So folks can then get EV cars, right? And that's a big thing. But also like e bikes and e scooters, you know, available or, or electric buses. Right. You know, so that that kind of that kind of work which, you know, loops back to having you know places to charge your electric vehicle or bike or scooter right which then is powered by solar that's one kind of um i don't want to say an expansion but it's kind of more of a maybe a broadening in that sense right it's always going to go back to helping communities it's always going to go back to renewable energy predominantly solar but it's going to manifest in different ways and i think that the other the other thing that has kind of unfolded over time, and this is because I think our CEO, Erica Mackey, our, one of our co-founders, has been such a leading voice in the solar industry for women, is really providing opportunities for women to get engaged in a deep way. And really, that has been something that's kind of grown over time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, does that, does that answer the question? So it's, yeah, no, that definitely it's does. it has evolved, you know. Yeah. I, I think with with the technology, right, I'm sure it's going to continue to evolve, right? If you asked about battery storage or a couple of years ago or, or yeah. six <laughs> six years ago, I, I think people would be com- very confused about what you're talking about. Right. Even solar, I think uh, we've, all, we've all heard the term solar for years, but now it's kind of, now it's more affordable, more accessible, right? It's, um, more, it's more realistic. Yeah. Right and, now. and people are talking about hydrogen, right. hydrogen for future, right? If it's, yeah. if it's an option for... I think that's a good point that your 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 focus, your mission might not change, but the the tools that you use to get there kind of will change, right? Um, so right. I think that that's that's pretty exciting. It's and it's yeah. cool, like you were mentioning, kind of trying to bring women into an industry that's predominantly male dominated. I mean, I see that in construction all the time. I mean, 
construction is probably one of the most male dominated industries there is, right. but um, it's cool. Like where companies and organizations take initiative to bring in, like in this case, women into this industry and kind of help them kind of get some ground under their feet to like really impact change and, um, you know, really be a part of an industry that's growing, especially in this case, solar energy with what grid is doing. So to, to Prince's point about, you know, kind of bringing women into the industry, um, our two co-founders, Erica Mackey and Tim Sears, and they were, they were engineers who were working together. And when they saw kind of the, the benefits of solar, they wanted to bring that to communities. And then along with that, um, really making sure that we engage as many people as possible in that transition. You know, so yeah. definitely women, definitely people of color, mm -hmm. definitely folks who are not representing the leadership right. of, you know, both the solar and construction industries. And some of the most fun, um, you know, kind of like interviews we'd had with our trainees include like, you know, kind of like little, you know, more petite women who were like, yeah, I'm up on a roof. Yeah, I have, you know, I can use yeah. all these things. And it's such a, it's so, it seems, um, it really shatters people's expectations of mm -hmm. who should do what job yeah. and what's available to, what opportunities are available. Yeah, and I think you brought up something um, kind of interesting, it, it, especially with people of color, right? I think it, if you are going to be kind of putting solar or going to communities of people of color, it's, it's so important to have people from those experiences right or people who know that right so they they kind of can attest right. to it um i think that's 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 so important um as you go to different areas that you yeah, have different communities yeah you, exactly you have that diverse kind of group um, that can speak to different things yeah i think the impact goes deeper when it's somebody that's from that community yeah. or that group of people that's actually like kind of leading the charge and implementing change or kind of these kind of like solar renewable energy solar energy into a community that if, for example, if it's like an impoverished community and it's a community of color, if somebody that's from that community of color that is impacting the change and leading that charge, then it's kind of goes a little bit deeper, goes a little further and furthers the mission of what GRID is trying to do as far as social justice and renewable energy. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's such a, you know, folks who get to install where they're from, it's just they feel so... Mm -hmm connected and excited and the folks were getting the solar feel like oh hey like these are this is also part of kind of you know my life and helping everyone helping our communities like there's a phrase you know if you can't see it you can't be it mm -hmm. yeah right and that's yeah. an important I think part of what we do yeah it's kind of people taking ownership almost of that so yeah it's very cool yeah so you, you kind of touched base about projects that we've talked about like you've done in the past and what you're proud of is there anything that um hopefully in this next year that uh, hopefully no COVID isn't as bad but <sighs> is there any projects that you're you're really excited for coming up maybe not 2021 but 2022 or in the, in the next couple yeah, of years like in the near future or anything that's a great question I think that would probably everyone at grid to have a different answer but for me what I think is awesome is recently in Denver we did a project with the Denver Public Schools putting solar on a school, right? And, you know, in Colorado, like, you need, it gets hot in the summer, it snows, like, you, you know, you need, mm -hmm. <laughs> you need AC and you need heat. Yeah. And the idea of us, you know, working with um, public institutions like schools, right? Libraries in the future, um, or, you know, working on multi, like, to me, the idea of working more closely with affordable housing, which is such a 
incredible need throughout the country mm-hmm. but you know why shouldn't shouldn't every new affordable housing stuff be like you know fully green right yeah. you know kind of solar on all those rooftops right. and thinking about like what are the ways that we can both help individual people but also as we rethink our communities how can we make sure renewable energy and solar is incorporated from the very beginning that's what i find really exciting and of course the tribal work is just so thrilling it's just such an amazing um we actually are doing a project coming up in alaska and i was like oh i think i probably should go so i can you know take photos and check it out and tell the story better right but just the (laughs) idea that we would be you know in alaska doing this kind of work and there's a there's a Native American center in Portland that we are potentially going to be working with. So nice. just kind of, you know, having those opportunities right. and just really exciting to me. Yeah. And we did an interview with uh, another organization that's pretty uh, tied in pretty closely with uh, Native American tribes. So, and oh, awesome. they kind of talked about um, how it, a lot of times these Native American tribes t- typically are very impoverished and they struggle a lot. So to be able to provide them with, um, renewable energy or an alternative energy source, something that's really going to, like we had talked about, impact and have a direct change within their community. I think that's that's really amazing. Um, absolutely. I mean, I think like that, that, you know, Tim Mulnick is the head of our tribal program and he is just an incredible leader, mm-hmm. you know, and the and all the different incredible, you know, from, you know, from New Mexico to Colorado to Washington State, just, you know, to just Alaska, as I mentioned, you know, that growing that reach and creating this whole, um, this whole pipeline of folks, you know, who are going to be native leaders. And, you know, as part of that, we also have um, the Tribal Solar Accelerator Fund. We're working with tribal entities to kind of create their own solar projects from you know from the beginning and connecting with the department of energy and you know bringing those kinds of resources to an indigenous communities you know i think that's that's another huge like it's just it's incredible yeah yeah that that really is so um you know we've talked a lot about what grid does and like they're obviously making like a pretty big impact across the country so for our listeners um how can they get connected with grid how can they um donate i mean what are the avenues available to them for that well you know one of the exciting ones is paisa obviously right that's (laughs) such a neat new tool you know i mean wherever we can where however however i can make it easier for people to support grid right that's definitely (laughs) what we want to do so thinking about you know that kind of tool of course our website you know gridalternatives.org is a great place to start people can give there um i mean i think that having a if folks want to just get our newsletter, they can sign up there. If they want to learn more about our work, um, if they want to, you know, and because I do believe there'll be a time when any we can congregate again <laughs> yeah. and can travel again, right? They can come and volunteer. You know, there's so many different ways folks can get engaged. They can reach out to me, you know, any anything that works for them. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's important. Yeah, but it's always nice, especially when you, you go to the website to see exactly the, the breakdown and then exactly what they do. Uh, but yeah, hopefully they will be uh, working on getting them on the Paisa giving platform. So that's going to be very exciting. Um, in terms of that, say someone who does give, they, they give $10, $5, whatever it is. How does it, is it usually go to a sp- like 
uh, project funding um, to to build certain projects? How how is that kind of broken up? Um, where's the majority of that kind of uh, sent? It's a fantastic question. It's a mix, right? So for most for most nonprofits, your biggest cost is your your staff people because they're implementing the program. So obviously, staff are a big part of our line. But another big part of our line is, you know, the hard the solar panels, like the actual physical things, the installation costs, like the you know the truck or the van that we need to get all the panels to the site. You know, um, so it's it's a mix of both hard costs in terms, you know, like for you know forklift rental or just forklifts. Like one of the um, I feel like someone wanted a skid steer. Like Dolores, can you get me a skid steer? And I was like, sure. What is that? <laughs> you know. But that you know. So those kinds of very tangible equipment things, and also people. So that's where the bulk of the funds goes to. Doris, we just want to thank you for this time um, that you've taken to just talk to us about what Grid Alternatives is doing, and just kind of give our listeners a peek into what's happening and how they can kind of get connected. We appreciate the time that you've given to us this morning yeah or i guess now afternoon oh we're so happy to partner with paisa and we thank you both so much it was such a fun i mean as you can tell i could talk about grid like literally for days and days <laughs> and, and i suggest as always to to follow them on on um, social media yeah um, I, was, I was actually just looking them on yeah no, yes a lot of a lot of good yes. content especially it's nice because um it, it's constant updates about how it's going to go right so if you are donating you see the progression of exactly what you're giving to and where it's going and who is helping, right? So yeah. um, it's always nice to for them and just for you to see um, kind of what they're doing. Yeah, and, and we'll have links to uh, their website, their social media, as well as how you can get in touch with Dolores uh, in the description of our podcast. Um, we definitely recommend that you guys go and follow their social media, um, give to what is definitely in really incredible cause and uh, something that we can help support making our community just a better place for everybody awesome thank you so much thanks Lars. yeah thanks so much we appreciate it hey everyone we just want to thank you for taking the time to join us and listen today as we mentioned we'll have links to grid alternatives webpage and their social media in the description of this podcast please be sure to subscribe and follow giving connected to hear more about some great nonprofits. if you want to get in touch with giving connected directly you can find the contact information in the description of this podcast this has been Prince and Joel with Giving Connected.